0: All doing this morning? Everyone good? You guys can be seated. Oh man, can we thank all of our teams at all of our locations that show up early, that prepare a space for us to worship Jesus? Isn't it the best? Can we just thank them for a moment? And man, I love Pastors Kelly and Tyler. I am like, I'm obsessed with you guys. And I'm grateful for the genuine friendship back. Like, I am so grateful for leaders like this. And Pastor Justin and Gabby, do you love them so much? I'm so, so grateful. Well, I, um, I'm excited to dive into the Word with you this morning. Are you guys doing okay? Are you ready? <laughs> So uh, I am now saying, y'all, did you hear that? I heard that. I am like catching myself as I say it because I lived in New York for 12 years and we just moved to Charleston a year and three months ago to serve at Seacoast and be a part of the team there. And I'm like, I refuse to say y'all and now it just comes out of my mouth and I don't know what to do with myself. So... Uh, Okay, I've got a picture of my family I want to show you before I get into the Word, and they are all over the planet right now. My husband just landed back in Charleston from South Africa. He is Australian-born, has the accent. His name is Paul. He is amazing. And such a gift to my life we were church planters for 12 years and transition and now he is pastoring pastors and leaders that is his heart it's his passion he's got a ministry called Barnabas Network and so that's what he was doing in southern Africa he was pastoring pastors friends that he has down there and it, he had a beautiful time just got home and then my three eldest kids that are there are in Nicaragua on a mission trip you guys like they are having the time of their life I am sobbing as they keep sending these pictures. They were living in host homes. They didn't want to leave their host homes. My son, who I didn't know had preaching in him, preach the gospel. People are sending me videos. I'm like, time out. What's going on? Like, you know, all of these things, watching them overflow and walk in the call of God for their lives. And then my youngest son, Sam, is here somewhere having the time of his life. And we are so grateful uh, that we just get to be a part of the body of Christ and be family with you. And so I'm going to pray as we lean into the word of God this morning. And I just pray that there would be fresh revelation for you in this room. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth, and I thank you for your Holy Spirit. Jesus, thank you for giving everything, for dying and rising again, but not leaving us here as orphans, but sending us the gift of the Holy Spirit to lead us and remind us of all truth. I pray this morning that every single one of us would hear what you have to say to us. If we need to repent, we'll repent God, if we need to wake up, we'll wake up. Whatever you are calling us into, may we live the name of this church and step into action with your word and not just be here standing, listening, and hearing, but not doing anything. May we be moved by you today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 If you're taking notes this morning, my message is called Be Prepared. Be prepared. I know I have my prepared people, people that love to make a plan in this room, people who love their 10-point prayer points, and then ask God a very specific way to answer them and say, God, if you could just do it exactly this way, I would be really grateful. And I know we have all different personalities in this room. We have the go with the flow. People are like, God, whatever. Like, I'm up for the adventure. <laughs> and so it's all over the place. And I realized that. I was thinking about how with our four kiddos, every single time from the to when they were born. Every single night we pray over our kids to the point that my 17-year-old who has graduated from high school and who is leaving us and going back to New York, rude, um, (laughs) is um, we still pray over him. We pray over all of them every night. My big six foot three son will walk into the room with this deep voice and be like, mom, I'm going to bed, can you pray for me? And I'm like, are you gonna call me when you're gone too? But I love praying over them. We pray over their dreams, we pray over everything. But one of our greatest prayers from the time that we knew we were gonna have these children would be that they would encounter the radical love of God for themselves. Knowing that my faith and my husband's faith could not be their faith. But we are just pray over and over again that they would know your deep and abiding love, God, no matter where they go, no matter what they do. God, would you rock their world? Would you encounter them? This is how we love to pray over our children. And, of course, like part of my plan was that I also will have a front row seat every time something good happens in their life. I just want to be there. I want to be a part of the party. I want to see the goodness of God. But he's like, you know what? I got this. If you would let go of control, Andy, I could just take care of a lot more. And, you know, I shared some of this with the women when I was here in the fall, but I want to share it with all of you because it was just this beautiful way where we try to, like, finagle things and make them happen, but then God's like, I got it. I got your kids. I've got your marriage. If you would just lay it all down and let go of control, I could move. And so uh, last summer, my husband and I celebrated 20 years of marriage, and we thought, you know, that's worthy of, like, a night or two away, right? (laughs) Right. Some of you in the room are like, we just did one year and we're so proud of ourselves. You should be. Every year, every month of marriage is a miracle, right? As we lean in and lay down our lives for one another. So praise God. And so um, anyway, we were, we were celebrating and my, my three eldest were at summer camp, but my youngest wasn't old enough yet to go to summer camp. And so we sent him away to be with my mom and dad and my brother and sister-in-law who run these wild, amazing tent revivals in North Carolina. And so they go out on the streets and they lead people to Jesus. They bring them in. They get them baptized. I mean, they've got deliverance happening. It's all going on. So that was Sam's summer camp. So he goes. And we get this phone call while we are relaxing together. And he's like, Mom, Dad, I just listened to a prophet speak for three hours. And I was like, whoa, were you bored? And he's like, no, it was amazing. And he recounts the whole message. I was like, I repent, Lord, forgive me. But I love that, like, it spoke to him so deeply. And he goes, and I, I have a question. Can I please get baptized? And at first I'm like, yeah, of course. And then I was like, <sighs> God, isn't this about me? Like, I want to be there, (laughs) right? (laughs) And you know what? We were like, yes, babe, get baptized. I think we've got some pictures of him with my brother and sister-in-law baptizing him after his world got rocked. And he comes out of the water, and he tells us, he calls us afterwards, and he goes, Mom and Dad, when I came out of the water, I felt the presence of God all over me. We're just like, what? Are you serious? And it was like this reminder that, oh my gosh, we've been crying out to God to move in this way. We've been being prepared for him to pour himself out. I just actually, since I'm supposed to say this, I I just saw these empty vials of oil, actually. They were empty. And that during this time that we're together, the Lord is going to pour something fresh and something new into your vessel. Some of you feel weary and tired and done and over it. And the Lord is saying, I have and I am more than enough so, you know, we were just so excited and overjoyed, and I'm like, that is so cool. But then fast forward a couple of months, and I'm preaching in Detroit, and I get down from preaching, and my daughter is at our church's women's conference that I wasn't able to go to. Told her she could skip school. She was really excited. And <laughs> she's sitting there, and and I my phone is blowing up after I get down off um, of the platform. And it's like, please FaceTime. Please FaceTime. Please call us. Your daughter wants to get baptized. I'm like, seriously, God? Like, thank you but seriously can I just be there you know for one of these he's like well it's actually not about you so uh so anyways I get on FaceTime and my daughter is just again I think they have pictures of this and I am ugly crying I'm sobbing I mean I there's me on FaceTime ugly crying it is that if you zoom in you're like "Ooh, that's not pretty right but these are two of my best friends, mothers in the faith, that have been raising and loving my daughter. And they are the ones that got to, got to baptize her. I mean, look at this. I feel it down on the inside. And she's like, she loves it. I feel it down on the inside. You know that song? Because the water is wild. wild. That song. So she, look at her. Look at the joy over everyone. And I was like, you know what, God, thank you. Thank you for answering prayers. Because you know what? Here's what I've learned. We make our plans, don't we? We make our way, we're like, Lord, bless our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. We make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. But I want to ask you a question this morning. What are you preparing for? What are you making room for? What are you asking God to do in your life where you're not sure? You're like, God, are you going to move in this? Are you going to have your way? God, do you have this? And he's going, hey, you go ahead and make your plans. You prepare, you pray, you lean in, but you watch what I will do. You just watch what I will do. Some of you feel like your situation is irredeemable, but we serve a God who redeems and restores all things. But what are we prepared for? What are we leaning into? I, where are my planners in the room? The people that are like, I've got it. I've got it worked out. I've got it planned. Yes, very. Mm-hmm. And then where are my procrastinators as well? Okay, there's more of you. <laughs> wow. Uh Here's what i've learned about myself even you can give me a really good deadline but um i will probably procrastinate and wait till the very last minute to get that plan going anybody else i will hit the deadline i will i'll hit the deadline i'll make it happen but i will dance around and clean up under my kids beds and find 75 other things to do rather than hit that deadline but i will make it but i'll like stress myself out in the end (laughs) realizing that, man, what are we preparing for? But you do give me that deadline, and you know what? I will get there. I'll hit it. I'll get the deadline. But oftentimes, I'm procrastinating and preparing and doing a whole bunch of other things, Here's the deal. We don't know. We do not know the deadline. We do not know the timeline. We do not know the moment when Jesus is going to return for his bride. Do we? We don't know. Scripturally, it actually tells us even Jesus doesn't know the day or the hour that he will return for us. Only God knows. The angels don't know. There have been many people that have tried to predict the last day or the last days. But the truth is, if even Jesus doesn't know, then we don't know. But how are we living in the meantime, are we prepared for all that is to come or are we procrastinating? Because often what we're doing in our spiritual walk is we are procrastinating. We're procrastinating and we're not repenting of our sin. We're like, you know what? I'm just going to be offended and bitter a little bit longer. But you know what? What are we preparing for? Are we preparing our hearts for all that is to come we love to procrastinate instead of preparing our hearts. Instead of serving and laying our lives down, we love to procrastinate and do a million other things rather than make amends and forgive one another and walk in obedience to God. We are procrastinators, but what are we preparing for? Our heart is our responsibility. Therefore, what are we going to do with what we've been given? How will we live prepared in this day and in this hour? And I want to tell you this, biblically again, is that we have been living in the last days since the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There will be a last day, but we don't know when that will be. But we are already in the last days and have been since his resurrection. So how will we live prepared as his bride? And I believe that we are in a day and an hour where the voices of the world are getting louder. But will we hone in and listen into the voice of God to be prepared for all that he wants us to be as his prepared bride and church? It is on us to live prepared I've got a huge purse. I've got a really small one that I try to use sometimes, but I've got a really big bag. And where are my ladies at? Well, you got your big bag, and everyone comes to you because they know you have everything that they need in that bag. My kids are like, hey, Mom, I need the Tide Stick. Hey, Mom, can I have the hand sanitizer? Hey, Mom, I'm bleeding. Can I have the Band-Aid and the Neosporin? Hey, Mom, I have a hangnail. Can I use your nail clippers? I mean, even at dinner last night, um, the kids were asking for scissors to cut off their armbands, and I was like... <laughs> Just a minute, I've got some actually in my bag right now. I mean, I've got a little bottle of Tabasco. I have got my makeup. I am like literally ready for anything. I steal the little salt and pepper packets just in case and throw them in there because you never know when you're gonna need extra salt, right? I'm prepared. And even as I was thinking about this and going over this scripture that we're gonna break down today, I felt like the Lord said to me, hey, Andy, you are prepared for a lot of earthly things, but are you prepared in the spiritual? And we need to ask ourselves that question. We have plans. We are prepared for anything. We are ready to go. But are we prepared in the spirit for all that is to come? Are we prepared in the spirit for all that is to come? So today, uh, I think it's so interesting because even Jesus knows what it was like to walk in the flesh, doesn't he? The word made flesh, he dwelt among us. And there's that moment right before uh, he was betrayed by Judas in the garden where he's going and he's praying and, and he's crying out to God, if there is another way, not my will, but yours be done. And what did he do? He asked his friends to come and pray with him, to watch and pray with him. And what did they do? they slept and they didn't pray and what does jesus say to them he says watch and pray that you may not what enter into temptation for the spirit is indeed willing but the flesh is weak And in our humanity, don't we know it? I don't think there's one of us in this room that's like, I don't want to go deeper with God. I don't want more of God. I don't want to overflow. No, don't give that to me. I want flesh, flesh, flesh all day long. No, we are longing to start of the year. What are we doing? I'm going to read the one year Bible this year. Two months in, you're like, I'm going to read a chapter of the Bible this year, right? I mean, we, (laughs) our spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. So how do we prepare? How do we get into this place where we fight against that, where we lean into the Spirit? Today what we're going to do is we're going to break down the parable of the ten virgins. We're gonna break down this parable that often we read it and we're like, ooh, I don't like how that one ends. I don't really like what it's saying, so we pass over it or we're leaning into it or we overdo it or, you know what I mean? It's one of those ones where if we don't understand it, we just keep going, but we're gonna dig down into this parable. Contextually, what's just happened is Jesus has just told his disciples about the coming signs of the end of the age. Once again, a little terrifying to read sometimes because Jesus is a 100% accurate prophet. So when you read his prophetic words, you're like, "Woo! (laughs) I don't like those. I don't want to read that, right? And then they start asking questions. They're like, whoa, context, uh, Jesus, can you tell us a little bit more? How about a perfect timeline? And this is the moment where he's like, hey, even I don't know the day or the hour, but let me tell you a little story about how you can be prepared no matter what. This is the parable of the 10 virgins. And just so you're aware as we read this, that the bridegroom or the groom is Jesus and the virgins are his disciples, us. This is what it represents. So go with me to Matthew 25, Matthew 25 one through 13. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the groom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they didn't take oil with them, but the wise ones took their oil flasks with the lamps. When the groom was delayed, they all became drowsy and they fell asleep. In the middle of the night, there was a shout, here's the groom, come out to meet him. The wise answered, no. uh, uh." Then all the virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise ones, give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. The wise ones answered, "No, there won't be enough for us and for you. Go instead to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves." When they had gone to buy some, the groom arrived, and those who weren't ready uh, sorry, those who were ready went with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the rest of the virgins also came and said, "Master, master, open up for us." And he replied, "Truly, I tell you, I don't know you." Therefore, be alert, because you do not know neither the day or the hour. <laughs> do you see where it's like, what, can we read something else? Like a real super like, woo, life is good, scripture. Okay, well this, I love these stories. I love these parables because Jesus is saying, hey, you get to choose. Will you be wise or will you be foolish? Will you lean in to my presence or will you try to borrow from everybody else all around you? So number one is this, as we go through this, how do we live prepared in the day and the age that we are living in when the world is trying to lull us to sleep? Well, be prepared for anything. Literally be prepared for anything at any time. This is where we start. I want us to just be prepared for anything. Now, this really speaks to God's timeline versus our timeline. The things that we want to try to control and ask him to do and bless on our, in our way, on our timeline. And us living this life of surrender, going, I am prepared, God, for you to do whatever you want to do. You know when we sing those songs? Do whatever you want to, kind of. Just a little of what I want to, yeah. Right? That's how we really pray. <laughs> Surrender to your timeline, God, however you wanna do what you wanna do. It says this, in the middle of the night, there was a shout, here's the groom, come out to meet him. Now time out. I was thinking about timeline, okay? God's timing. Middle of the night for a wedding, really? Really? So I love my sleep. I really, really do. I'm a morning person. So if I have gotten ready for bed and I am sleeping, I'm in that deep sleep cycle, and all of a sudden there's a knock on my door that terrifies me, you better believe I'm not prepared to go to a wedding. When they're like, wedding time, I'm like, you're going to have the wedding without me. (laughs) I'm going back to bed, right? But here is the deal. What Jesus is trying to display and show to us is that, hey guys, I don't even know the day or the hour, so therefore be prepared at any time to get ready and walk out and follow Jesus to the wedding banquet, right? This is what he is saying. There's a different timeline. So what does it look like to be prepared? What's the difference between the wise and the foolish virgins? What's the difference? Well, simply put, we can see through the scripture that the foolish didn't take oil with them. They didn't bring extra oil except for what was already in the lamp. And the wise took extra flasks of oil in preparation. And when I looked at this, I went, oh, I see what's going on here. This is the difference between presumption and anticipation. Presumption and anticipation. Do we presume like, you know, it's fine. It's fine. I'm fine. Or do we, do we assume that God's all got it all taken care of? Or are we living with holy anticipation, leaning in for more of who he is and what he has for us? Everyone had oil in their lamps. All 10 were invited. All RSVP'd yes to the party. All gathered at the bridegroom's house. All had their lamps. See, here's the deal. We look around, we have no idea what's going on in each other's lives in this room, do we? We all have lamps. We have all been given oil. We are all following Jesus. And if you're not following Jesus in this room, I will give you an opportunity to do that, to follow him and give your life to him at the end of service. But. We can't tell the difference. You couldn't tell the difference. All of them went to sleep. There is nothing wrong with rest and nothing wrong with going to sleep. But wisdom prompts watchfulness and demonstrates preparation. We all nod off at times, don't we? But we need that spiritual caffeine to wake us up again. And that's what we need to lean into. The unwise, again, they walked in presumption. Surely this is enough oil. But the wise, what did they do? They walked in anticipation, ready for, ooh, it could be longer, could be shorter, we don't know, but I'm ready for anything. I am ready for anything. And there are two elements here that I see as well. It's being prepared and what happens when delays test us, right? Being prepared, but also what happens when delays happen in our lives, I mean, I, when I pack to go somewhere, even if I bring a carry-on, I don't know how I do it, but I can squeeze so much in there. Couple extra outfits, extra pair of shoes. I don't know if I'm going to wear my hair naturally curly or if I'm going to blow it out so I need all the products and I need my little mini hair dryer that has a diffuser on it. I also don't know how I'm going to feel shoe-wise, so I need the options, the ones that I'm going to wear on the plane, but also maybe a heel and maybe another sneaker, just in case. I went with sneakers today. I'm not in the mood for heels, so therefore, I am ready for anything, and I'm also prepared for you. So this is about preparation. What are we ready for, but also what happens when things are delayed? How do we act? What do we do? What comes up for us? I mean, even as I fly, I love watching people when delays happen. I am a people watcher. Maybe you are the angry person on the plane when there is delays that I am watching, or maybe you love to watch the people too. But when they're like, hey, we're so sorry, we're gonna have to take you back to the gate because we have some issues you know, with the engine. We're gonna have to fix that before we take off and people are like ah I'm so angry I'm like you're angry we could die like I want them to fix this problem before we take off in the air right okay and what yeah fix it all please and you think about that when delays happen in our life what does it do it tests our heart what comes out of us in the middle of a delay This is what happens in a time of preparation. Allow those gross things that are in there to come out so that you can repent, so that you can bring your sin out into the light so it has no power over you, so that we can forgive and make amends with one another. If we are angry and bitter and offended, let that come out in the middle of the delay so that you can prepare your heart to be in the presence of the Almighty for all of eternity, amen? What are we preparing for? And what do delays do? How do they test us? So, are we living in presumption, trying to control the outcomes, not really ready for extra time if that's what it takes? Or are we surrendering all and living in anticipation for all that is to come? Okay, number two is this don't live on borrowed oil. Don't live on borrowed oil. It says this, then all the virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise ones, give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. And the wise ones answered, no. Like this, is do you have friends like this in your life with really good boundaries? You're like rude, right? No, there won't be enough for us and for you. Go instead to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. Get it for yourself. We live in a day and age where borrowed oil in the body of Christ has become the norm where we listen to everybody's little snippets on Instagram that we listen to and we love, and even I post them sometimes, okay? So I want you to know, or we read other people's books, which I have written books, or listen to podcasts, or read commentary, or listen to a message on a Sunday. I wanna tell you something, that's technically borrowed oil, but why does this matter? Borrowed oil is meant to be catalytic in your life to cause you to go, I need more of this. I need to run into the presence of God. I need to dig deeper into the word of God. I want to tell you something. Do not take my word for it. Go and dig into the word for yourself. It is so imperative. But we're like, well, you know what? I just, I'm not smart enough. I don't understand. No, no, no. no. You have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit to remind you of all truth. You have been given the whole of the word of God to run into his presence and read at any time. You have been given access to the presence of God. When Jesus Christ died on that cross, that veil was torn in two. So you didn't have to go to a priest, but you could run because of the high priest. You could run into the presence of God yourself. Don't live on borrowed oil. There's not any scarcity mentality in the body of Christ. We need to break the back of that thing where we think that we need, I need I need you to tell me, am I good enough? Am I smart enough? No, read this. It'll tell you. You are created in the image of a loving, amazing God who knit you together in your mother's womb, who have given you purpose and place before time began. He is good. There is more than enough. When we look at this, I... <laughs> This is a a replica of a Herodian oil lamp uh, that I got in Israel. Just kidding, I got it on Amazon. But (laughs) when you look at this replica, it's kind of cool to see. This is what the oil lamps would have looked like in some way, shape, or form, filled with oil and burning, right? So these these 10 virgins show up at the bridegroom's house. They go to sleep with their lamps burning. But then... At some stage, their lamps go out. But what did the wise virgins bring? They brought an extra flask of oil. So often we do just show up to the party with what we have, but there is more. And there is more than enough for you to go and get. It says, go to those who sell oil and get some for yourselves. Guess what we get? Free access to the presence of God. We can run into the shelter of the Most High and find rest under the shadow of the Almighty and say, the Lord, you are my Lord, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. He is the one that we can run to at any time, at any place. And when you feel empty, sometimes the best thing that you can do is operate in a place of spiritual disciplines. Do things where you're like, oh, I don't feel anything when I run into the presence of God. I don't feel anything when I pray. I don't feel anything when I read. Who cares? You are actually still receiving his love. You're receiving his truth. You are in his presence whether you feel it or not. When I drop off my youngest, there's this roundabout that I drive around, and, and I drive around it right after I drop him off and drive down this specific street. And while I do that, there are two things that I do. I either intercede for a specific person at that roundabout and pray over them that I've committed to pray for them, or I sing this song. Have you heard that song? You provide the fire, and I'll provide the sacrifice. You provide the spirit and I will open up inside. Fill me up, God, fill me up. Fill me up, God, fill me up. Here's the deal. You may feel empty and dry, but there is more than enough in the presence of God. As we run to him and go, God, I feel nothing, I am tired, I am weary, I feel broken and alone, but you are more than enough. So therefore, I ask you, God, fill me up, God, fill me up afresh, fill me up anew. Just remember, there is no scarcity in the presence of God. We need to break the back of the scarcity mentality, thinking that we need to go everywhere else to get something else that we have complete and total access to in his presence. Amen? Amen. 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 And the last one is this. The last one is this, is stay alert. Don't hit snooze. Stay alert, body of Christ. Don't hit snooze. It was probably the middle of 2020 when I just had impressed upon me. It was like the Holy Spirit was nudging me saying, hey, Andy, there's an alarm going off. There's an alarm going off. Don't hit snooze. Don't hit snooze. It's getting loud out there. The world is trying to lull you to sleep and confuse you and speak to you and say, look this way, look that way. And the Lord's like, look at me. And don't hit snooze stay alert andy stay alive and alert and awake don't hit snooze the scripture says what is the last thing he says therefore do what be alert because you don't know either the day or the hour be alert that is all throughout scripture all throughout the new testament be alert Awake, oh sleeper. That's the Old Testament. But awake, 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 right? Why? Because we fall asleep at the wheel in our Christianity sometimes. So we have to be reminded to wake back up. I mean, to my husband's frustration, I am the snoozer in the house, right? Who's the snoozer in your house? Raise your hand. Who snoozes? Who are the people that just, you know, the alarm goes off once and you're like, bam, 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 ready for the day. You're out. And who are the people with the perfect circadian rhythms that wake up without an alarm? Where are you? Okay, good for you guys. Yeah. Maybe one day. (laughs) But I think about how I will hit snooze and I've got birdsong as my little snooze alarm. It's really peaceful to wake up to. And my husband's like, can you please just either set your alarm for the right time or just like get up the first time it goes off, right? Because he's the guy who, the alarm goes off, he sits up, he gets out of bed, he goes and makes a coffee for himself, makes a coffee for me, and brings it upstairs. He's a good one. But in our Christianity, I do sense that the Spirit of God is nudging us and reminding us, saying, Oh, body of Christ, my people, stop hitting snooze and get up, wake up. Be alert to all that is going on around you. Ask for discernment, repent of your sin, lean in, make room, run into my presence. There is more than enough. Don't borrow oil from anybody else. Some of you actually need to go on Amazon today and get a little Herodian oil lamp and put it in your kitchen or put it beside your bed to be reminded, no. I need, go ahead, get some oil too and put it right next to it so you remember that there is always more than enough no matter how you feel, no matter what you're going through, amen? So what I wanna do as we bring this service to a close is I wanna pray for you and for some of you where you're going, I do, I feel empty. (sighs) Even as I sit in the presence of God, I'm like, come on, God, there's gotta be more. I don't know where you're at, but here's what I would love. It's for all of us. If you feel comfortable, you can just put your hands on your lap and open them or raise them up. I want us to open our hands to heaven. And if this is new for you and maybe you're new to church or um, you're not following Jesus, we're just doing this as an act of surrender to say, God, we're open for you to pour yourself out, for you to move in our lives. Just take a moment in the presence of God. And you can pray right there where you are. If you need to repent, if you need to confess, if you need to forgive. So let's just pray for a moment. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge your presence here right now. (laughs) We're sorry for the times that we have acted like you are distant, but you are a very present help in time of need. And you are the gift that has been given to us through our resurrected and ascended Christ, the Messiah who sits at the right hand of the Father and is interceding on our behalf and praying for us right now. You were poured out so that we would not be left as orphans. We are not alone. You are with us. So for the dry and weary, Holy Spirit, would you pour yourself out so that they could overflow? For the broken and bruised and battered, Would you pour yourself out and be a healing salve that would bring healing and transformation for the heavy and weary? Would you lift that weariness off them and remind them that Jesus' yoke is easy and his burden is light? Would you pour out your grace and your mercy? When we do, we repent, Holy Spirit. We repent, Father God. We repent, Jesus, of the times where We have just filled our life with other things rather than running to you and into your presence. Where there's unforgiveness in our hearts, Lord, we choose to forgive. We surrender all. We wanna live prepared as your bride and move every other idol and thing out of the way so that we worship you and you alone. If you're praying in here, just keep your eyes closed everybody in the room. If you're a believer and you're following Jesus, I would love for you to pray for those that are not yet following him in this room. But if you're not following Jesus, I would love to give you an opportunity to turn from your way, to leave it here at the altar today and to follow Jesus, to be born again. Why do we say that? Why do we say born again? Well, because What we choose to do is we choose to leave our own way, our own truth, our own life, and we crucify it on the cross. We are crucified with Christ. We die with him so that we can be resurrected into his new life. We are born again. Because of his blood, our sins are forgiven. Because of his broken body, we can be healed and made whole. But Jesus said to us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And we live in a world that says there are many ways to God, but there is not. There is one way, and it is through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if you're looking for what truth is and you've been hashtagging my truth, this is my truth, no, I just, I just want to tell you today Jesus is truth. He is the Word made flesh. There is one truth and one way to God through who Jesus is and that truth. And if you're looking for the meaning of life, you found it. It's here. It's in Jesus. It's in Him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. But you have to leave your own way, your own truth, and your own life to follow in His way, truth, and the life into the arms of a loving God. So if you want to follow Jesus today, you want to be born again. I'm not talking about the Christian who's had a hard week or month or year. I'm talking about that person sitting in this room, you who are not following him and you wanna leave it all here today and be born again. If that's you all over this place, right where you're sitting, I would just love for you to boldly raise your hand and say, I wanna be born again. That's me. Yeah, I see you. I see you. I wanna see. You. If you wanna be born again, raise your hand. Let me know. Thank you, Jesus, for the hands that have gone up in our campuses and other places. Put your hands down. Now, what I would love is every person in the room to repeat after me, but especially those of you that raised your hand. As you pray this prayer, you are being born again. You are confessing with your mouth what you believe to be true in your heart, that Jesus is the Son of God. So repeat after me, everyone in this room, but especially those that raised your hand. Say, Father God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your one and only Son. I believe that Jesus lived a perfect sinless life, died in my place on the cross, and rose again so that I could have eternal life. I am born again, a follower of Jesus Christ. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and transform me in your love. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Can we just celebrate every life that was given to Jesus, in Jesus' name.